The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Borahay Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Consequence Podcast Network. Hip-hop has always been home to some of the most unique voices in all of music. And they often come in twos. Havoc and Prodigy, Salt and Peppa, Andre 3000 and Big Boy, Talib Kweli and Yassine Bey, Killer Mike and LP, and one of the most unique sounding duos in hip hop, Send Dog and Be Real of Cypress Hill. Their vocal deliveries are easily identifiable enough on their own, but together, just unmistakable. Be Real's high-pitched nasal rap style sounds nothing like his actual speaking voice, but it's the perfect foil for the boom of Sendog's aggressive baritone. This sonic chemistry, this blending of bars, this microphone marriage is what we'll be talking about today. In this episode, we'll hear from Sendog and Be Real, as well as people who know them, are inspired by them, and admire them for their skill and delivery as much as they do for their friendship and brotherhood. For the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy, I'm Jill Hopkins, and this is The Opus. Watch out, there may be some funky feels with this one. Senan Reyes and his brother Ulpiano, a.k.a. Mellow Man Ace, who we discussed in the last episode, they're from Cuba, and they made their way to the States in 1971. In 1988, they got together with New York's own Lawrence Mugarud and native Angelino Luis Freeze. Here's Sendog. We met Be Real. It was kind of weird because my brother met him before I did, and they were in a breakdancing group together called the Street Dancers. And uh, right around the same time that I started emceeing, because I started rapping like when I was like 17 years old, my junior year. And then I talked my brother into rapping also by the time he was in 12th grade. One day he comes up to me and goes, hey, man, I got this kid in, you know, my breakdancing crew that, uh, 
you know, I think he could be a really good rapper. You know, I said, well, you know, bring him down and let's check him out and let's see what he's got. So Be Real came over and uh, he rapped for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or something continuously, never stopped. But after like the first 30 or, you know, 60 seconds, I was like, oh, he's kind of good. So <laughs> I just let him keep going to see what else he could come <laughs> up with, you know, because it was nothing written. It was off the top of the head back in those days. So then we became a three-man crew. They formed a group called DVX, or Devastating Vocal Excellence, which is a very 1988 thing to name your rap group. But after they decided to get really serious, Senin, Lawrence, and Luis took on the names Sendog, DJ Muggs, and Be Real, and they collectively changed their name to Cypress Hill, which, all around, great decisions. This three-man lineup was just the right thing. DJ Muggs' beats and production, and these two writers and rhymers together, they established a style for themselves when most Southern California rap was getting smushed into the same lane. And it certainly helped that this style let them shine in two different languages. And that style was encompassed on the track Latin Link. Freak to the funk that no one else can bring. Send dog with the funky violin. Yeah, that's the note Heard that home in LA, you know, you have to have some kind of style. You know, you just can't be that mad dog dude all the time. There's got to be a, a moment when you're like clearly talking to someone in calm, but what you're saying, you know, can wreck their world. You know, and you learn that too from, you know, your OG homeboys or when you go to jail yourself or whatever, because not everything is, is going to come at you bright and loud. Some things are going to come at you in a subtle way, but, you know, it could be the difference between being cool and getting a beat down. We, we had to portray those voices in a, in a certain way. You know, it's, it just couldn't be like, uh, go at it, go at it, go at it. And I, I think we captured that well in a, in a song called Latin Lingo. And if you understand, like, the whole, you know, Latino get down kind of thing, Latin Lingo is a cool song and everything, but, like, I'm saying some serious shit in there. Like, we'll fuck you up <laughs> in this nice, calm, polite manner. You know what I mean? Like, we'll get with you. Like, that's not a problem. You know what I mean? And I think that aspect of Latin lingo is kind of like missing because it just kind of sounds like some cholo throwing spit or whatever. But well, you got to listen to the whole message. But, you know, being cool and, and keeping your calm, that's part of the whole way that we were raised. You know what I mean? Then you'll be known as a recluse, you know, if it was otherwise. So you had to capture that. Because before, I would tell you that when we first started, all of our raps that we would do were up on the mic and they were loud and we were going forward and we were in the studio for the first time. Ah! And Muggs had to teach us like, dude, I want you guys to have more of your natural personalities on these rides, not not just try to go for it and be the next LL Cool J or something. Be yourselves. Calm down. Be yourselves. Go outside, smoke something, come back, and we'll try it again. And then we were like, oh, okay. You know, we had to understand that he wanted us to be, you know, sending and be on there and not something that we weren't. Here's be real. A lot of labels sort of just looked at us like we were fucking crazy and they didn't want to sign us. My voice is crazy. We're rapping on in different pockets of the beat that they don't understand. So, you know, we were just being us. Well, some people understood. Like Joe Nicolo and Chris Schwartz from Rough House Records. Here's how that connection happened. Muggs had been working with a, a group called 783 and they were in Philly, I believe. And they had stopped in to do some work with Joe. And that's where the relationship with Joe and Muggs started. And as soon as when we got to the point of 
we were serious getting some really good demos in. Um, Joe flew out to California and uh, he actually stood there at my mom and dad's house with me while we were going to the studio at the same time. You know, they were enthusiastic about us and they were excited and no one had ever been for us. Everybody always looked sort of confused as to what are these guys doing? You know, what's this guy's voice like? How come it's not, it doesn't sound like it's not West Coast or this or that. But they, they saw something different and they saw what they could work with, I think. And the fact that they showed that interest, man, that won me over. And Joe and Chris knew what they had from the jump. I did a record on Geffen with Muggs with the band 783. So I'd known Muggs from that record. And Nancy Walker, who wound up being an A&R person, she was with BMG Publishing, and she signed them to a publishing deal and gave them a demo deal. I was in L.A. producing the Booyah Tribe for Kim Bowie at Island. But while I was out there, I did a song with Mellow Man Ace called Mentorosa. And Mellow, and Mellow Man said, you got to check out my brother's group, Senden. And actually, I stayed at Mellow Man's house. Mellow Man and Senden were still living at, at home. And I stayed there and met Senden. And he said, you, you know my partner, Muggs. And it was like, well, yeah, sure. So when we heard the music, it was like. It was the, top of the best demo tape for me, at least. I think it was the best. You know, you get demo tapes. There's like one good song and another song's kind of okay. And the rest may, might be throwaways. Mm-hmm. It was like five songs and every single one. Of, it was like they just kept getting better. Yeah. It was really good. I'm really glad that Be Real knows that their voices are a part of this appeal, even if they didn't realize it at the time. If the DJ Muggs production, which is hella recognizable in and of itself, doesn't tell you it's a Cypress Hill song, the actual voices involved are a dead giveaway. Sen and Be Real, as distinctive as they are, were definitely influenced by some of the original distinctive voices in the industry. I know the man that gets with the deal that rocks like a brimster ass real real. He can get real ill when you're on the chill. I like the quarter drop a dime that can make it see the thrill. Master killer called the evil gorilla. Yes, the best in the nation, yeah, number one. Be Real is on record saying that he was inspired by New York graffiti writer, painter, MC, and sculptor Ramelzi. Ramelzi gained some fame from his appearance in the legendary hip-hop film Wild Style, and Muggs even samples his voice in Hand on the Pump. He ushered in a kind of avant-garde vibe into hip-hop in the 1980s and was able to switch up his style between his normal speaking voice to something really out of this world. But it took a while for Be Real to be able to do the same thing without causing harm to his throat and his vocal cords while performing but he found help for that in an unlikely place, the opera world. He enlisted former opera singer and Hollywood veteran vocal coach Elizabeth Sabine and learned to project through his diaphragm, use circular breathing, and preserve that million-dollar voice. As for Sendog, he looked to New York for inspiration as well. 
How low can you go? Death row. What a brother know. Once again, back is the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannibal thief. Public enemy number one. Five volts and freeze. And I, I think the first time that that happened, when we experimented with our voices, we were in one of our friend's cars. And we always used to rap over uh, public enemy tracks. And this one day, Be Real was rapping Chuck D's parts, and I was doing the Flavor Flav parts. And this one day, I just came in with the, mm, you know, with a deep voice, you know. And uh, we were like, whoa, that sounded kind of cool. <laughs> so we, we went and put it in a rap, and then when Muggs heard it, he turned it into, like, the song. But that, the first time we did that, I think it was around 1987 or 88, just messing around. And from that point on, every time we would do a, you know, we clown around, they would tell me, you know, do your Chuck D thing, you know? And I would come in with the, well, and all that. People would go, oh my God, it sounds just like Chuck D or something, you know? <laughs> so we just kind of stuck with it. And then we, we curved it and tailored it to make it its own entity. And that's something that, you know, that just I'm known for. So we took a lot of the, the Chuck kind of style out of it and made it just like a, like a mad dude sounding like, you know, coming through to, you know, knock down your door and get with you kind of deal. That's that, that's that power voice right there. And Chuck D was flattered by that, to say the least. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing, man. I, 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 you know, I'm not good in taking any praise from anybody. I just like to keep it moving. But those guys touch me. This is the part that really got me, y'all. Any, anyone can get on the phone and talk about songs. You have experts that talk about composition and sales and production and all of that. But when Chuck D, the Chuck D, got on to talk about Cypress Hill and particularly his friendship with his Prophets of Rage bandmate Be Real, well, he got really real. They don't make guys like Cypress Hill. I mean, fuck the music, the performance. They don't make men like Cypress Hill. Real, those are real dudes. I mean, real, 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 real. I can't, I ain't there's no words for them. That I, you know, they'll tell you about rap music and hip hop and you don't mention these guys. It's like, you're not, you're not paying attention. Cypress Hill, they opened up this whole side of the Americas, bringing rap music and being able to bring it across and showing that if you speak a little Espanol, you can make it work. You can fit it with them beats and your music and your style. You know, I always thought that a super rapper is somebody who can spit more than one language. If you spit in a, a language and you can't talk to the crowd, you, you have 50,000 people in front of you and you can't talk to them, you know, it's your advantage if you could find that common language, you could just say, all right, I want everybody to jump in the air in another language. And, and this is what people in the United States don't get. They, they sit on their high horse. They have their favorites that are fed to them. But if they really dig down, they'll find like Cypress Hill's the greatest group of all time. They, they're, they're just, they're unmatchable. High quality spitting of one language, that's impressive enough. And Chuck D would know all about that. But two? Damn. That's what it took to turn on some light bulbs over some aspiring bilingual rappers of my generation, like Rod Stars and G1 from Rebel Diaz, who themselves have opened for Chuck D and Public Enemy. 
And if you're listening, guys, Chuck D told me to tell you that he says hi. He really is just the nicest man. Here's G1. That time was super diverse in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like you had you had the balance. You had the gangster rap. You had the the more hippie rap. You had the the more you know what I'm saying black power rap. And to have Cypress Hill in the mix for me, it it just I grew up with it normalized. You know what I'm saying? Like it was part of my like like if I'm, I'm going off to six years old when when Cypress Hill first pressed out their first joint and and that it, it created a space where I'm like yo this is we could do this we could. My lived experience at, at, at the crib speaking Spanish, but in the street is English. And then you see it reflected back onto you in, in terms of Cypress Hill's music. Here's Rod Stars. For me, it was bugged out going to Chile and realizing their international impact. To me, that's like, I feel like a key point about Cypress is their international. Like they did one of their, they did a whole album. They translated a whole album to Spanish. You know what I'm saying? Which I think is genius. Like, on some Rebel D, I said, I've always kind of thought with G, like, yo, we got to start doing some of these songs we got in full English and just full Spanish, you know? But they did that. One of my best friends in Chile, Lechuga, has a Cypress Hill tattoo. Like, it's it's to that level, you know what I'm saying? The type of love that they, when they go over to Latin America, they're doing stadiums. They're not doing, you know, the club. They're doing stadium-type joints. So to me, that was also a big thing is a couple years later traveling to the South and seeing like, yo, Cypress Hill is huge in my homeland. Even when they flow bilingual, it goes together. Like sometimes there's folks that try it. It's kind of crazy. I feel like my ear is a little like, uh, is super critical when it comes to folks. Like to me, you got to do it. If you do bilingual, you got to do it right in both languages. Because I feel like there's sometimes there's MCs that rap full Spanish and try to go English, and I'm like, no, don't do it. Or there's other dudes that really don't have, like, you can hear their accent, like their bad Spanish accent. And with, with, with Cyprus, they pull it off. They pull it off flawlessly. So I think that, that for me, that, that was also, even like with more years, as I've become older, I can appreciate the fact that they rock both fully. Cypress Hill does rock fully. They rock both English and Spanish fully. They rock both mics fully. Their voices don't so much swirl together. That would imply a gentleness that simply doesn't exist on their first album, or any of their albums for that matter. It's more like iron and carbon coming together to make steel. Allies as alloys. And speaking of metal, in our next episode, we'll talk about Cypress Hill and how they rock hip-hop and hard rock fully, uniting those worlds just as well as they unite their vocals and their cultures and their fans. For the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy, this has been The Opus, and I'm Jill Hopkins. We'll see you next time.
Consequence Podcast Network. Orway Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off-limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found.